For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's say when it's someone in a, in a corporate situation that uh, maybe a disgruntled employee, uh, then then my day will be observing all, all the movements almost and the behavior really that person does. So that can be online, that can be uh, uh, email communication, that can be face-to-face, that can be behaviors moving from A to B, uh, digging into their past. So it, it, is, uh, it, it is a lot of, it's like a big investigation really in the behavior of someone and, and trying to uh, tell them what the outcome will be and if that is positive or not. So will that this Crundle employee with a behavior he or she is expressing now come back uh, to the, the premises, to the, to, the, or to the office, let's say, know where everyone lives, go to their homes and take them out? Or uh, will it be someone who is only screaming online? Miranda Kapulsa is the founder of MC Global Security Consulting. She is a distinguished behavioral analyst, coach, and security risk advisor on various interrelated security topics. She has an extensive background in law enforcement, aviation, corporate, private security, coaching, and fighting human trafficking. In July of 2021, she received an award for Global Influencer in Security and Fire for the year 2021 from IFSEC. She's well known for her leadership, trainings, and contribution as public speaker for various international organizations and industries. Miranda serves as a board member on several boards. One of them, Tiny G, a global terrorism information network, where she fulfills the role of chair of the Europe Council. Next to that, she is active on various international security groups and networks. During her career, she has lived around the globe, gaining a broad understanding of numerous languages and cultures. Over the years, she has built a large, valuable international network and following. All right. Welcome, Miranda Capulsa, to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, for everybody who doesn't know, uh, Miranda and I have worked on some things in the past, uh, more the, the recent past, especially during the pandemic, we did a few, uh, tried to do a few things with travel security uh, that just never, with all the travel shut down, never came to fruition. But uh, when, when I started this podcast, when I started the interview portion of these podcasts, I mean, this, Miranda, you were the first person I thought of, uh, just because of your background. Oh. And I, I think you oh. are one of the most trusted voices, at least in behavioral analysis, but also in countering human trafficking. Um, and, and those, especially countering human trafficking, I'm, I'm very, it's very close to my heart. And I think that is a, a worthy endeavor to take up. Um, but I'd also like for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. And so if you could just give a background of, of who you are, you know, how'd you got started in what you're doing and, uh, and, and where that brings you to today? All right. Well, uh, thank you for the, for the kind words. Wow. I'm honored. 
Um, so yeah, I'm uh, Miranda Capolsi. I'm um, from Europe. I'm from the Netherlands, born and raised. Um, I started actually in retail a long time ago, but about 30 years ago, I guess. Um, I ended up in security due to, uh, due to friends. They always said, you're so spot on with things you say. Maybe that's something for you. And I was hanging out with a lot of cops. And a lot of times when they discuss cases and stuff, they, I was like, yeah, but maybe it's this and that. And um, so over time, they said, like, why don't you join the police? And uh, at that time, I was a country manager of a retail chain, uh, made a lot of money, uh, or a lot, enough, <laughs> uh, had a mortgage. And uh, at that time, I think it's still a bit of that, but um, if you go to the, or went to the police academy, you only got like, I, I call it a tip. It's just like a little bit of money and uh, you should be really grateful that you could do them, the academy and everything. So, um, and I couldn't, of course, for financial reasons. So eventually I ended up due to an acquaintance in security at the airport just to try it out. Um so I could go back to my other uh, job, but I just I was so curious about everything and I just felt like I had a feel for it. So I started um, at Amsterdam Schiphol Airport. Schiphol is how you pronounce yeah. it. Everyone is always laughing about it. G. <laughs> I do. I love that airport, too. It's it's sort of this like modern European style airport. It's very nice. It is. It's like a little village right now with so right. many shops and restaurants. I love hanging out there <laughs> and I'm there often still. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up in, uh, in the security there. I was scouted by an organization um, that does behavioral profiling uh, and asked to work for them, which I eventually did. I worked for them for a couple of years uh, as a supervisor and eventually trainer. So I trained the people uh, in uh, profiling and that's a, a questioning sort of an interview uh, for people, especially on high risk flights, as we called them back in those days. Um, just to make things safe, especially after 9-11, that was a thing, um, still is actually, uh, you see that still at uh, El Al, uh, Israeli Airlines and some of the American Airlines. Um, and after that, I just moved on to the police. I became a chief, not the chief uh, uh, of uh, police uh, in Amsterdam. I moved on to other police departments and eventually uh, see my government organizations because I was so eager to learn. And I also noticed that I was one of the few females and I always felt that I had to double proof myself. Um, so I wanted to learn as much as I can. Uh, I was really hungry for, for knowledge in, in the security. And eventually in 2016, I started working for myself, just freelancing. And 2018, I founded my own company, which is very much related to and behavior analysis and security and risk. So, and that's, I traveled the world since I think 2016. Um, I believe I travel like 200 days out of the year. I'm always everywhere and nowhere. 
um, being flight uh, flight in for um, investigations, behavioral or psychiatric reports, um, setting up teams, working with team dynamics. Um, I, I work in corporate, government, um, humanitarian. I work with humanitarian organizations for their hostile environment to kidnapping trainings. Um, I, of course, do my own uh, thing. And that is what I really where my passion is volunteer wise. And that is uh, in human trafficking. Um, and that is for CRI Children's Rescue Initiative. I work with them since 2018 when I met Bruce, the founder at a Close Protection Executive Protection Conference, because I do a lot in the close protection and executive protection world as well. And uh, we hit it off immediately. We became great friends. Uh, I'm now one of their instructors. Um, and I traveled the world with them. I actually came back recently and we did three other operations in Africa and Asia um, and Europe. So, um, yeah, uh, although voluntarily it occupies a lot of my time, but I, I love doing it, seeing a change in the lives of people who are so less fortunate. That's it's so rewarding. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> awesome. Um, I, I'd like to start with the uh, sort of working with the police force in in Amsterdam because you know we have, we're U.S. based. I have a lot of U.S. listeners, um, so I think culturally we think of sort of the the police work differently. Um, how was that in Amsterdam? Uh, you know, crime rates and and what was your experience in dealing with maybe the police officer side and then dealing with with people in Amsterdam? Yeah, um, I, I mainly did the part of the courts. So I was responsible for the safety of of the lawyers, the judges, as well as as the prisoners when they went to uh, to their court cases, actually. Um, uh, so that's what I did at first. And uh, of course, a lot of um, uh, interviews with uh, serial killers, terrorists, uh, just for me just to see you know, where their mind is at, and especially as a behavioral analyst, that's interesting. But the crimes, yeah, man, it's it's like every big metropolitan city, really. There's a lot of uh, uh, petty theft, of course, but right. uh, a lot of trafficking, especially drugs and weapons and, and people. Um so yeah, there's there's a lot going on. We have gangs and everything. Uh, what I notice is that there's not so much in papers uh, or in the news outside of the Netherlands or even outside of Amsterdam, uh, but it's absolutely and definitely there. And I always uh, tell people like, whenever you go to any big metropolitan city, just please watch yourself and 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 the people that you love. Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting because you are that is right, and I can tell you from my own personal experience of, uh, and I, I've traveled to Amsterdam and had had a wonderful time. But Amsterdam is known maybe as you know the free drug capital of the world and free sex and not free as in sort of a financial, but just everything is open and and legal. And so it's interesting to to hear well, you talk about I it's say, the same. It's not as so much legal. Sorry to interrupt no, you, but no, it's not do. legal. 
yeah, it's not legal at all. Uh, they have allowed it because at least there you have a little more control than about it. But uh, law wise, it's absolutely not legal. Oh, wow. Okay, that that is very interesting. And so you're seeing sort of what we in the US consider reading headlines and, and reading in the news and then the actual legality that goes goes through it. Um, yeah. So talking about going into, in, and you mentioned you had sat with uh, criminals, serial killers. Are there any interesting stories that you can tell of maybe a, having sat down with a serial killer and just feeling, you know, could, could you just feel or could you through their behavior understand that wow, this person is evil, or or maybe there was a, a time Ooh, yeah. where someone wasn't, you know, so they thought, hey, this person's a criminal, and and you sort of broke down and was, like, no, this person actually looks like through their behavior that they didn't really do this. Um. Ooh, yeah. Well, I, I do this for almost thirty years, so it's not uh, specifically about that period, but yeah, I've I've been talking to people. Um, that a lot of people thought like maybe we should set them free because maybe they have not done it. But uh, and and the funny thing is, and and that's also what I always say what, when you read in papers like, oh, it seems to be the nice neighbor. Uh, you know, he was so kind and always playing with the neighborhood kids, and uh, he was a great dad helping out at school and. Um, you never heard about him fighting with his wife, but then they opened the backyard and it's full of dead bodies. So <laughs> um, usually that is the kind of people you interact with. Of course, you interact sometimes with like psychopathic, crazy people that you can see there's something wrong, like the silence of the lamb kind of people. They are nice, but they are just scary nice. Um so, yeah, I've, I've spoken to them, too, but I've, I've also spoken to people that are when you have a conversation with them, they are just the regular you and me conversation. Um, they are interesting and sometimes even <laughs> boring. And you cannot almost imagine that they are that there is like a whole different personality behind them. Um, but, yeah, with certain questions and certain responses and especially in their uh, micro expressions uh, or certain answers that you all of a sudden see like, oh, my gosh, this is, yes, absolutely not normal. There's so much more behind them and their humor always, uh, you know, it can be really sarcastic or they are overly kind. Oh, that's all. That's good. So <laughs> I think a good segue kind of uh, question, if you can respond to this, is um, you, at least in the U.S., true crime is one of the, the top genres of podcasting and, and movies and television. It does, does Miranda watch true crime? And if so, what do you what do you do when you're watching that? Do you, do you watch uh, behaviors of these interviews and, and try to, you know, forecast what what the end state will be or do you just not watch because that's your day-to-day -day life anyway to be honest that last one yeah, yeah. um <laughs> also oftentimes when i watch it i'm like yeah that's not working like that in real life uh, <laughs> so a, a lot of it is, is made for like the movie or series industries right yeah. to keep people entertained uh some parts of course are true and, and but overall uh, 
I have to honestly say I don't have time to watch television and I also don't want to really watch it because I don't want to be influenced that much. Uh, there's so much and even more and more negativity uh, and, and so much is not true. So you have to verify it like with uh, maybe 100, 200 sources to see if it's true. Um, we get in, indoctrinated with, with so much shit. Sorry for my words that I just try oh, to say anything it, on and... this on this podcast. So go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just uh, I, I do follow the news. I have my sources. Uh, as you know, we have our own sources. Uh, but uh, I hardly ever watch television unless it's something funny. Um but I, I make 20 hour days usually, so I don't have much time to be honest. Awesome. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, that's true a lot in, in the field of any sort of analytics, you know, so just doing 20 hour days and, and getting de- compiling data and then putting, making that an output and yeah. doing good in the world, yeah. uh, which is what I think. And especially you know, time zones, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Now you're dealing with time zones. You could be in Asia working for somebody out in New York and you're up at all times. So that that is a it's very unique process when you're traveling like you are all the time. Oh, it definitely is. Yes. Uh, and people think it's a glamorous life, but I always say just understand it's not it's really work. Yeah, that's very interesting because it, it, it is how it goes in at, at least was we're we're both in analytics or in analysis and everyone sees it as maybe like in a movie where it's two and a half hours of nonstop action and you have to go, well no, that's about ten minutes of of a normal typical day or week and then it's these hours and hours and hours of just boring reading data outputting and stuff like that. Uh, but those ten minutes do get crazy and and they can I mean, they they can take up your entire you know your entire day after that from decompressing yeah. to understanding what was going on you know, I have to say I'm more operational than than anything so uh, for me it's it's maybe like five hours uh, of digging into papers and then uh, or ten maybe and the other ten or, well a little more is it, really in the field mm-hmm. I still am very very active in the field and do as you know rescues but also a lot of trainings so uh, and, and I'm in a lot of organizations trying to find the team dynamics and, and make psychological reports of people um, who might be a threat for an organization. Yeah. So before we get, because I, I, I want to take up a lot of the time talking about human trafficking um, and the counter human trafficking, because that, that is something that I appreciate um, and something that is close to my heart, because it is a big, I would say, human trafficking is a pandemic. In the, on this globe. Hmm. It happens everywhere. It's constant. It's continuous. Uh, but first, I'd like to start with, you know, what behavior analysis, what is that? What's a typical day for a behavior analyst? And what does behavior analysis look like? Um, well, it depends on the client, to be honest. Uh, uh, 
it can be, for instance, uh, observing the behavior. Let's say when it's someone in a in a corporate situation that uh, maybe a disgruntled employee, uh, then then my day will be observing all all the movements almost and the behavior really that person does. So that can be online, that can be uh, uh, email communication, that can be face-to-face, that can be behaviors moving from A to B, uh, digging into their past. So it, it, is, uh, it, it is a lot of, it's like a big investigation really in the behavior of someone and, and trying to uh, tell them what the outcome will be and if that is positive or not. So will that this Crundle employee with a behavior he or she is expressing now come back uh, to the, the premises, to the, to, the, or to the office, let's say, know where everyone lives, go to their homes and take them out? Or uh, will it be someone who is only screaming online? So that, um, and, and, and will they get over it? So that, so that is, for instance, in, in corporate, uh, what I do on, um, for airlines is really observing people in their walk to, uh, uh, at the airport to their, to their flight. Is it normal behavior? Are they stressed because they missed their flight, because they are late, or because somebody died and they want to be on time, or they, they are getting married? Uh, or is it something that is standing out? Uh, you know, does their uh, suitcase, for instance, match wi- with them? Is it the big bloke wi- with a pink suitcase? Uh, <laughs> and is he acting weird? Uh, do we see, for instance, children or females uh, behaving differently, maybe insecure, frightened, very quiet? Um, so there are so many things. Are there people who you can see are standing someone observing a flight and all the people that go on board? And why do they do that? What do they have in their suitcase? How do they respond uh, in connection with security? So, uh, yeah, all that's So there are many different uh days for executive protection i i teach them how to uh, establish baselines for instance with their when they are out with their clients what do they need to look for what is different without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, so you, uh, just like you mentioned now, you also do coaching uh, or yeah. you know, educational services for, for this kind of stuff. What are the, you know, what kind of corporations are um, maybe hitting you up or, or coming to you saying, we need some coaching. What fields are those in? Or is it just broad? Every, any corporation 
comes around. Um, and- it, it can be military, can be police, it can be like uh, big corporates. But, but I have a lot of individuals actually because it, it's uh, or CEOs mm-hmm. because a lot of CEOs are not really involved in the whole process because they have their people, so they don't understand really what security can do for their organization. Um, for close protection, for instance, uh, that can be the client because they have to understand what security all of a sudden can do for them because maybe they were first a manager and all of a sudden they get a different higher position. So how, you know, how does that impact their lives and their families? But also a lot of people who have a security background uh, uh, for instance, military, uh, they got PTSD to whatever police and they really want to get back into it, but, uh, they just need to just, you know, um, become their normal self again, but then they think they are weak. And I always say like, Hey, you just have an extra experience. Let's turn, let's turn what you think is your weakness into your strength. So you can, you know, even be of more value to your organization. So you have a, um, like a mental health so yeah, sort it, of piece it, to the coaching. Yes. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Uh, and, and that just organically just, um, went from just coaching to to helping those kind of people somehow and i i think a lot of people know i uh, in my in my youth uh when i was young uh I, w- I was a victim of trafficking and severe abuse so for years uh i've been through that and a lot of people always say that you know then you're a victim and that's that and i always said i was a victor um, yes, it bothered me. And yes, I've worked tremendously hard for it, but I, I just fought and, and, you know, I'm where I am now and you can do that too. It's so, so usually it's so that, interesting that changing the terminology can change an entire mindset. Just, just like you said, everyone said you were a victim because that happened. And you said, no, I'm a victor. Uh, that that's a win. Yeah. That's somebody who's won something. Um, and even through that dark time in your life, you, you can still go look back on it and say, "No, I won." The those yeah. that did that to me lost. Oh, uh, yeah, um, and, and it's not an easy process. It took me many, many, many years to just get there. And back in my days, I never had someone to help me, so I had to do it on my own. Um, and I just felt like, you know, I, I maybe can fill that gap for certain people because, uh, I, I just see that. And, and with all the respect, I really, really respect psychiatrists and psychologists and, and, uh, social workers, uh, but a lot of them have not been, and thankfully through that process themselves. And oftentimes, a lot of uh, people that have been through it, they just look for someone who understands them at that level. And I could never find that. So I always say, if if there is now someone that I can help, or that needs my help, but it, 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 yeah, turned into a business, because I, I just no matter how much I want, I just don't have the time to do that in my free time as I don't have free time anymore. So I have to plan that in. Um, but I'm, I'm so grateful for doing that and, and see people succeed and happy again. And so, and that's where I do it for. And I call it confidential service because I don't need to have that a medal for like, oh yeah, she helped me or I did that. I just want them to shine. 
Oh, that that's amazing. And so that'll get us right into the, the human trafficking um, yeah. portion of it, you know, counter human trafficking. But but first, I want to start off with, would, would you define, you know, your sort of definition of human trafficking? Uh, taking the freedom away for pe- from people um, and, and without them wanting to or knowing to, because a lot of are even born into it, right? There's so many right. small children. Uh, last week, uh, we found a little child was only six months old, so they don't even have the capacity to know if they want it or not. Um, and they are sexually abused, so or they are used for organ donation or or smuggling drugs. I've I've found babies cut open; they were still warm, and there was drugs inside of them. Right, so uh, it's it's crazy uh, what what people can do, and a lot of slavery also still not getting paid or hardly getting paid, being beaten, don't get food, being deprived of so many things. And it just breaks my heart. Yeah, same here. Uh, I mean, that, that's why I always say it's close, as close to my heart. Not that I've had, I've ever had to deal with that or, or come across um, anyone in my family that's had to deal with that. But just hearing the stories, that there's no way that you can hear those stories and just, you know, sort of dismiss and say, I'm not going to worry about that. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand how you can not do anything. But there are still people that... A lot of people don't recognize it because it's so well hidden. Those those criminal organizations, because that's what they are, they are so well oiled and they have oftentimes way better, smarter people and instruments than than all law enforcement military combined. You know, there's so much money going on there. So we are always a step behind, sadly. Yeah, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but when we're talking about you know trafficking and sex, that that's you're talking about high income individuals who are requesting these things for different events or or different processes. Um, so anytime you've brought a huge swath of money into anything, it's difficult to for it's difficult for the police, it's difficult for the courts to do anything about it. Yeah, and and uh, sadly, I have to say there are a lot of people uh, in the top of the chain, even in in law enforcement uh, politicians that are taking part in this, uh, and it's really hard to prove because they have it. It's built so well, and um, usually, even the people that really want to prove it and are really close, they all of a sudden also disappear. So it's it's not a job uh, without risk. Right. Yeah, definitely. You're you're at risk for doing it. Mm-hmm. Those people yeah. coming after you. Trying to expose them. Yeah. And who is most at risk in a human trafficking situation? You know, is it is it we I always look at it as young girls or you know, uh, sort of teenage European looking teenage girls, but is it is it a mix of everybody? Young young boys, young girls, older individuals uh overall it are females young or like young adolescents like i think up to their 20 mid-20s at the latest if they make it um uh, but there are a lot of boys too um it doesn't matter what 
descent you are, like whether you're Asian or European or uh, that doesn't matter at all because there's a market for everything, sadly. Um, and uh, there is also, you know, you have different groups too. Some just want to have, uh, we know all the Epstein stories, you know, uh, the, the girls like the age between maybe 12 and, and 25, um, because they can entertain their guests a little bit and they can just mold them into entertaining guests. Uh, but there are also people, as I said last week, we found a baby six months um, that like to have small children. And, and they usually are, and it's, I can hardly get it out, but it's a one-time use because they are damaged, damaged so much after the sexual intercourse that usually uh, uh, there is no life after they just bleed to death. Uh, and, and, um, but then they can be used for organs. So that's how sick the people are. They, they don't, they just see them as objects. There's, there's no empathy there at all. No humanity, no feelings. Yeah. There truly is evil in, in the world. I mean, that's, you can't deny that, especially for somebody that's doing counter human trafficking. I'm sure you see it every day. Um, yeah. Whenever it, so you do. I mean, you have just this awesome list of everything that you do, but the, the counter-human trafficking education, what, is, what are some of the things that you're telling people to look for uh, on their, maybe on their travels? I know us uh, as a U.S. Army vet and, and a military person, we had uh, human trafficking briefings on a month-to-month basis, just, or especially if you're going to go out to other countries, human trafficking was one of the big things that they would try to counter. Because um, you get uh, you get a young private specialist E five buck sergeant into Korea, South Korea, to do their tour in Korea, and right off the base there could be tons of just these uh, you know these people working within human trafficking to you know, push whatever it is drugs, girls onto these army military guys and gals. Um, so what are some of the things that you're telling people to look for? Well, I always say it's it's not normal, really, for a, a healthy kid that has good parents and has a, a normal life to approach adult man for uh, attention, for whatever kind of attention. Uh, little girls that are dressed up all sexy. I mean, you know, uh, or very poor and they are bagging. Um, uh, be careful that they don't put drugs also into your drinks that you are sitting with them and you think you're entertaining a kid. They put drugs into your drink and uh, something happens. Um, I always, especially business people, I I warn a lot because they always think that they are not at risk. Um, But sadly, I have to say that especially those that travel a lot or uh, away from there, if they have a relationship, their wives or girlfriends or uh, and, you know, a beautiful lady um, walks up to them. They have a nice conversation and they lure them into something with or without drugs. It's being videoed and you're bribed for the rest of your life. Um, so that's one of the things, and especially with military that can help too. So you, they then force you to give information. Um, so, you know, human trafficking is so broad, so it can be used for Intel, but, um, 
the basics is always uh, sex or, or, or you buy things from them, weapons or drugs or... Yeah. That's an interesting point because when you think of of human trafficking and, and you're you're watching at least i do always think about it in this in the form of money you know it's just it's a transaction that's what yeah. that's what they're looking for i want more money but you brought up a very good point that it's also uh, useful for intelligence yeah yeah so you a would, lot actually yeah. um and, and that uh, happens I've seen- uh, and coming back to that, he did that. He always recorded his people. Uh, I believe they found in New York a whole safe with videos uh, from people who are just, you know, they made a sidestep, made a mistake. They regretted it, but they couldn't go back anymore. Yeah, so then, then you're affecting sort of their, their place in the world, right? You know, if, if this person <laughs> is a CEO of a company, uh, they at one point go, oh, I'm going to do this because I'm lonely or something. And they participate in this transaction with human trafficking. Uh, it could really bring down a whole company. Um, so are you, are you letting the CEOs know that, that, Hey, I I get it. Everybody, we're, we're all adults. Hopefully what, who you're interacting with are adults as well, but you should not go there because it could be a huge black stain on the company, not even just yourself. But what I also see, and that's what's really missing, and that's one of the things that I do too, is establishing establishing sorry safe uh, environments within organizations because there is never a point that when they make that mistake or whatever other mistake that can affect their company or organization or maybe their personal life, which it obviously always do, does it's it's all related uh but there is never uh, a department or an environment where they can come like oh my gosh geez i made that mistake and you know uh, they are bribing me now and i don't know what to do instead they keep their mouth shut and they give everything because they're really afraid that their people uh their their family get gets hurt their employees their colleagues um so i always say just you know we are all human and sadly um sex is for many and drugs and weapons is a way to bribe people and if we don't create a safe environment in whatever situation at home or in 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 your organization this will always continue Uh, and they will always have the power over over the normal let's say civilians and and that's what we need to stop if we don't talk if we don't speak up if we don't admit our mistakes they will always have control over you yeah that's i mean i agree with everything that you said and everybody needs to be uh, diligent about what they're doing do you sort of inform them to you know maybe not drink as much as they would typically drink on during traveling uh or is that just something that you know they're going to do and you're trying to tell them other things that they can do in order to protect themselves you uh, yeah. I usually don't try to tell people what to do because we all know, even from when we were a kid, if we were told something not to do, we it, it became interesting. So I usually just tell them the story of what happens when you do certain things and the responsibility is all up to you. Um, and usually that is something that, that works better 
Um, but again, we're all human. Some people are like up to this in stress. Uh, they are super tired. They just want to have a break. Uh, when there is a beautiful girl or, so, you know, something is offered to them what they really need, uh, or even it starts with a drink and a nice conversation. They are so damn good at it. And, and don't forget the porn industry. I mean, we are so used, even now on social media, everywhere, kids nowadays sexting, it's, it's the, the most normal thing. You know, people... Uh, little kids talk about sex and pictures that was never a thing i think up until 2000 the internet was not much of a big thing but the influence it, it that it has and the ease to what people like use it for they always think it's somebody else who get caught or i will you know it, it's not that bad what i do because it's it's normalized almost uh, but that's how they get you and, and we just need to educate people. Um, and, and that's the same with porn. You know, first you just want to like watch five minutes and then you want to watch something harder and then something different and more exciting. And that's just how your brain works. You cannot stop that if you are not aware of it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, Especially in sort of like the, you, know, you talk about the porn industry, it used to be this sort of seedy industry that you would have to go into back rooms of these movie stores and and you everybody can see what you're not what you're doing, but that you're actually going into this place and, and you're going into the back rooms and stuff like that, that now, I mean, you can sit in the privacy of your own home and watch hundreds and hundreds of hours if, if you so desired. Have you seen since you've been in, you've been doing this sort of stuff, uh, everything that you've been doing for over 30 years now. Um, so have you sort of seen that uptick in human trafficking in the porn industry because they need that much um, content to produce for people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sadly. Yeah, and um, uh, thankfully there's also a little more attention for it. So they, uh, I, I believe now trying to shut down certain channels also. But the thing is, with shutting down, there's so much hunger for it almost, I want to say, that they find their ways. Um, even at the old days, we had those antennas on our roof and we could um, get in certain channels that other people couldn't watch. And now we have that on the Internet. You just go on the dark web and it's all there. So it, it's more, I, I think, making people aware and yeah stop posting that shit i mean it, it it's just so bizarre why would you why would you post naked bodies or uh, you know um but it, it does something with their mind and if they realize like how really bizarre it is then maybe they will stop but uh i mean most guys all uh, and especially uh, you know and I, I appreciate the people it's just that little part and i'm like why do you need to have posters hanging from naked men or women that's how it starts right yeah um, it's, it's already hitting those dopamine uh triggers in your head it's an addiction yeah it's yeah. definitely is it an sure addiction. does the same thing as an addiction yeah and, and people don't see it as an addiction. They just think it's something beautiful to look at. And, uh, and, and there can I, be I, that I aspect to it. Private. Yeah, but it, it's very, I consider it the same way. It's, it's something private um, that when you, because when you start getting those, those dopamine hits and, and you have to increase it every single time, 
Uh, that's sort of what we're seeing yeah. right now, where they're they're increasing, you know, the types of pornography and and what they what you know men are doing to women in porn, or you know what women are doing to men in the porn and stuff like mm. that, because people. It's just like if you were doing heroin and you hmm. you did it a certain it's, amount at this point and next week you, you need a little bit more and then you need a little bit more. Yeah. yeah and, and that's also what I see and hear, especially when people talk about their relationship. They, they have porn with each other. They don't have like loving sex anymore, but they don't know the difference because they have always seen that. So they think that is normal. Uh, and then they are wondering why their relationship is not working and they cannot satisfy each other because it's never enough. So there's a, a real difference between having loving sex and, and just pure porn sex. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of the things that, um, you know, is, is the business of the criminal. So now what I've uh, moving on from from that one, what I've always heard here in the U.S. is, you know, like the Super Bowl. That's one of the biggest human trafficking events of the year. Yep. Uh, now, recently I've been reading, uh, you know, going into deep dives into it, and there's a lot of news reporting that it's it's really not that bad, and, and there's actually not much human trafficking going on. So would you like to speak to that? Oh, uh, well, I, I, I've, <laughs> I, I think it's very clear, and all law enforcement know uh, there's a lot going on during Super Bowl, uh, especially hotels, and, and they, they get extra training now to recognize it also, uh, but also during the Super Bowl itself. Um, I believe there were 175 arrests in the last Super Bowl or in the one before, only just on those grounds. Um, uh, but I just say it by head because I'm, I'm dealing with so many numbers, but I'm, I, I don't think I'm far off. And uh, yes, it's everywhere. And, and thankfully, they're doing something about it now. So there are people everywhere in the public that are watching, you know, what's going on and try to save girls. But there are, I, I believe, uh, 175 people rescued or on 75 arrests in the last just on Super Bowl. Super Bowl. And they were Sunday. all uh, just, just Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So is that is it similar? Because yeah. we've got you know this winter we're going to have the World Cup. It's probably the biggest sporting event. It'll probably be the biggest sporting event of the year because uh, it's so global. Do you guys see the uptick in human trafficking for that as well? Just because there's a lot of big um, CEOs and and high value individuals that might yeah. be looking for that kind of stuff. Well, uptick in events, anyways, and especially now after COVID, when everything was. Uh, flat it was nothing so they need to double their money so now um, not even uh, global events but uh, like a lot of big events are being used for that so girls are being transported to it and uh, are being lured into especially from abroad they are told they get a, a nice job as a waitress or they you know need to help them cleaning rooms and once they arrive their passport is taken away and they get their pimp and um, will be put in homes with certain curls. They are drugged, deprived of food, sleep, and eventually just uh, brainwashed into doing things. And they are so, so afraid. That and is that usually how it starts out? Um, so in, you, you just put an ad out and say, 
come make money? Uh, well, a lot of times, yes. Yes, a lot of times. Because uh, they offered and jobs abroad. And, and that's what you see not only in the U.S. I see that in the Middle East. I see that in Asia. Um, so, yeah, and, and that is slavery and sex trafficking in one because they have to work. They don't get money. They hardly get any food. Uh, and they have uh, intercourse oftentimes. So, yeah, and they are forced to drink also just with their clients um it, it's heartbreaking and and of course where they are oftentimes branded by their pimp so you know they, they cannot go away they are talked into not trusting law enforcement because um they don't have a visa or a, a passport so they are illegal immigrants and they are being told that they get punished and go to jail and their whole family will suffer from that so yeah so many lies do you do any courses for, you know, like just regular everyday people who, who may want, who may have kids that could be affected by human trafficking or, or maybe even those children who you could put through a course that would say, this is what to look for to, uh, so that you're not trafficked. Well, we work together with some organizations uh, who do that. So they come, you know, you can invite them and they come speak at, at your school, church, uh, corporate, um, uh, whatever, gym club, whatever, whatever you would like them, soccer club to come just to learn more about that. So that is more of kind of a presentation seminar. Um, and we are working on on making that even a little better because we get more and more questions about that. At first, people always said like, hey, it's not in my neighborhood. It's not in, in my area. There's nothing going on, you know, in, in my friend or whatever group. But more and more people realize that it is closer than you think. And your, especially your children or grandchildren can eventually fall victim to it. And more and more, actually, and 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 especially also now they use video games, you know, to and and Facebook and TikTok and all those other social media uh, things to just connect to kids. And kids are oftentimes so confused with everything, so they express that on on the internet. And you can see that girls that like to be pretty and beautiful because the girls in the magazines are. And if they get compliments from someone, they start to become friends and they trust them more and they become runaways. Uh, a friend of mine and also a partner of CRI um, is going after many of those runaways because their family just all of a sudden realizes oh, we didn't watch them well enough and, and she was not or he was not aware enough. Uh, sadly, also, I see a lot of results that children are just gone or dead. So we find them killed. Yeah. Wow. It's man, it's it's such an important conversation to have because I do think that it gets downplayed a lot. And I, and I remember in my military career going through these briefings and and I in my very early 20s or late teenage years, you know, why am I doing this? It's this does not affect me and I'm not going to be a participant in it. And it it took 10 years of traveling nonstop and, and seeing this and seeing the people that were affected to really understand it. And, and then I would have said, come to grips, but there's, I don't think there's any way to come to grips with this sort of pandemic that's going on in our society. 
No, sadly not. No, uh, evil will always exist, and we can only just minimize it as much as we can by becoming more aware. But um, I don't think we can ever. And it hurts to say, but I don't think we can ever stop it because there are so many evil people who just want to take advantage one way or the other of other people. If it's not trafficking, then it is just breaking in someone's house or hurting people um, for no apparent reason. Well, you know, we started with the serial killers. They just see someone and they think, well, <laughs> that's becoming my victim. So you never know who's next. And maybe if it's you or your child or grandchild that is next. So I always say educate them as much as you can um, just to uh, try to avoid it. Yeah. And what I always tell people is just keep a situational awareness. You know, I mean, I tell that to my kids when, when they're going places and they're all teenagers and they want to go out and do stuff. And, and as a father, as somebody that when I was a kid, uh, I could go out and sort of do kind of anything that I really wanted, not just th that my parents weren't like, you have to stay home and you can't do anything. And I want to open that up for my kids as well. But I try to tell them, just understand your surroundings, you know, understand what's going on around you. So that if you see something that doesn't look right, or you're, you're continuously seeing the same person behind you, you need to have a contingency plan in place. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, the situational awareness is pretty important, but that contingency plan, anywhere that you go, no matter how mundane the task is or how safe you think the area is, always have a way out. Yeah, and, and a lot of people are not situational aware. They're always in their phone or just, you know, they're so indoctrinated by all the news and, and uh, also the daily stresses that they have. So they are in their own little bubble. And um, that's where those organizations take advantage of. So, yeah, if, if you can go to a situational awareness course uh, or just read about it, what, what to watch out for, um, that would be such a help. Yeah, and it, and it takes practice. You're not going to, you know, read the book and or read a situational awareness book and then go outside and have everything solved. So, you know, Absolutely we not. do it in the military all the time. Planning is every day and you're going to do planning and exercises all the time so that you become proficient at what you want to be proficient at. And uh, and I hope we haven't depressed everybody too much during this conversation <laughs> we have got about 10 minutes left so i want to lighten up the mood a little bit because uh, you and i both travel or or traveled a lot pre-pandemic um and, and you're traveling a lot more now that things are opening up so what are some of your favorite places that you've been to it's not work related just uh you know cities across the globe that really resonate with you and that you enjoy Wow. Uh, I actually have not had any vacation or free time since 2007. So <laughs> um, I, I really love being in, in, in not too big metropolitan cities. Somehow it's uh, too overwhelming. People are just in their own little world. And um, so I, I like the smaller, better. I, I'm, I'm a super nature freak. So I like let's say montana or colorado the mountains and nature so if you ask me i just go there um 
but yeah, I think overall there are still a lot of very, very sweet, kind, caring people that just you know want to make a difference, uh, and it's just to yeah to recognize them and 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 just you know have a conversation with someone sometimes and uh, show a little more respect and decency and empathy towards others uh, uh, because that's what I see is is lacking so much. People are so easy to trash each other or to because they have so many stresses and something happens and they just lash out and i was like just breathe man and and just know that everyone is is struggling nowadays and that's such a great point to bring up because i do i I've, I've seen this a lot uh especially since 2020 is that every, you know everybody seems to have an online presence and everyone seems to have an in person presence and their online presence gears more towards being hateful or spiteful. And then once you get them in person, they tend to relax and they're they're more cordial. And I've always told people that when they want to call someone you know, a racist or a sexist or any of these terms because they're saying stuff online, and I, would, I always like to tell them, well, I get that. And what that person said was not the right thing to say. But I, I say, I guarantee you, if you met up with that person and sat down with that person, you guys would find common things to agree on, and you'd actually have a good conversation. And uh, uh, the problems, a lot of our problems and a lot of the problems we talked about today come in the form of online interactions. Yeah, the keyboard warriors, I always say. Yeah. Right? They're, they're so, <laughs> so brave behind their keyboard. Uh, but even then, I mean, uh, I, I'm oftentimes at the receiving end because, of course, I do things a lot of people, uh, I, I ruin their business with just uh, exposing things. Um, but, yeah, I, I try to just help people. I want to have the good in people. And even if you did something bad or if, even if you have a troubled past, you can change. It's never too late. Every day is a new day, right? And I, I just wish people were more nice and 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 more empathic and and more understanding towards each other and but yeah who am i <laughs> <laughs> well we're, we're gonna try to start a revolution here because i feel the same way i'm telling people all the time why are you so angry or mean to to certain people just why don't we try to find some commonality some common ground and we just treat each other with respect i think that solves a lot of our of our issues at least in the online portion of it um but i do i'll i'll say it again like i said in the beginning uh when i was starting this and wanted to do interviews miranda was the first person i thought of just because that every yeah on linkedin we we are we follow each other on linkedin um and i just i'm always seeing all these people and i just kept seeing all these higher uh, individuals in their field just continue to go and and reach out to you, Miranda. So I was like, that's who I need to get on. That's somebody who who needs to speak to our listeners and and talk about very hard things to talk about, like human trafficking. So I really want to thank you for that. And I want to ask you if there's anything that you would like uh, towards the end here to to tell people about or promote your your courses or promote. You know, it's uh, what is it? MC uh, Global Security is the yes. company. 
That's the company. Sorry, uh, the the internet was in and out, so I don't know oh, if, no, if, if that. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much again for your kind words. Yes, MC Global Security is uh, a security or risk organization, a company uh, with behavioral analysis and and strictly linked to all my services, really. Um, again, I do a lot of uh, coaching, but it's always confidential unless people want to just say, hey, I, I spoke to her and she helped me. That, of course, is, is great. Uh, but for me, it's just really helping other people, especially organizations, put uh, great dynamics into teams, um, uh, save environments. I really think that's, that's so important and so underestimated in organizations. Where can people go if they make a mistake? And how do we solve that together? Uh, it's more loyalty eventually towards your company from the people because they know they can be human. Uh, CEOs who really like to know more about interacting with their people and know about security. Um, of course, a lot of executive uh, corporate uh, protection uh, organizations that help also with their clients. Um, yeah, and, and uh, I, yeah, I instruct a lot uh, teaching about behavioral analysis for, for different uh, branches almost like you can work in a hotel or in a hospital or in an airport or you know protect clients uh, so how do you deal with that what how does it work in your head I even go over all the neurological parts but in Sesame Street language I always say because I want everyone to understand it and enjoy the presentation so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. And then uh, again, uh, at the end, to to sum it up, and and other than that, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I'm not super active because I'm so busy, but I try to keep up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not good at social media, but I, I I'm trying. Well, I'm going to put all those links into the show notes so everybody can find you. Um, and, and I will say to our listeners, if you enjoy, you know, our weekly shows about geo politics or you enjoy these conversations uh you, you please search out uh, miranda you, she's done a couple of other podcasts um i, I know you were doing a bunch more a few yeah. years ago um but they're all i think each one of the podcasts that you've been on have been sort of different uh you know close protection stuff and the, the human trafficking stuff so yeah. I, I would say everybody go and listen to each one of those because they're all different and you are going to learn something from it. So thank you so much, Miranda, for coming on. And thank you so much for having me. And um, I keep listening to your shows. They're awesome. Thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. Thank you so very much. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We want to thank Miranda for providing insights into the world of global security and anti-human trafficking. Miranda is the founder of MC Global Security, which is an international security risk consulting and coaching practice. The company intersects security, risk, and human behavior with the intention of covering all areas of safety and security and to offer a complete package for creating a safer environment, a better security awareness, and meaningful personal growth. 
You can find out more about Miranda on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, and also through the company website at mcglobalsecurity.com.